Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Let's turn to the book of 1 Samuel, please. 1 Samuel. We're going to talk about a special woman named Hannah. I've entitled this message today, Hannah, The Heart of a Godly Woman. Now you'll bear with me as I skip through some of the verses there in 1 Samuel chapter 1 that is uh, just a little bit of fill in the blanks and background, and then we will begin to see why that I have chosen to say that Hannah had the heart of a godly woman, and I believe it's because the Lord has set her up that way. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we find out that there was a man named Elkanah, and verse 2 says, and he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. So already you know Hannah's got a problem. That was a supposed to get your attention there. There, This was not an endorsement by God to have multiple wives. Remember, originally God created one man and one woman. And, uh, but culturally, in those ancient days, there were some of God's people who had more than one wives. It was not the endorsement of God but it was culturally endorsed. So here was Hannah, who also shared her husband with another woman. And uh, we see in verse 2 that Penina had children, multiplied children, and we can see a list of those, but Hannah had no children. This man, Elkanah, went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts. I love that term, Lord of hosts. It has to do with the God who has command over warring angels. You see that term a lot, and one of the places you read about it is for those who tithe, the Lord of hosts will get involved and fight for them. I like that one. It's true. He goes up annually to worship and sacrifice and bring an offering to the Lord. It wasn't too far to Jerusalem, but he would make that pilgrimage every year. And he would take Penina, his wife, all her sons and daughters, in verse 5, but to Hannah he would give a double portion. Notice he gave an offering to Penina and his other children, But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. Hmm. You don't think there's any family dynamics going on there, do you? For he loved Hannah, although the Lord 
had closed her womb. Now, some of you are going to have a, a theological problem with that. But that's what the Word says. The Lord had closed her womb. Sometimes that which we carry that incredible, causes us incredible suffering, sometimes it's because God trusts you enough to let him tell a story of his glory. No, y'all didn't get that. Sometimes some of the suffering you carry is because God trusts you enough to be a carrier of a story of His glory. This is a fallen world. There is an active agent that works against you. But there is a God who is mightier and stronger than every rival and any and every situation. So let's see here. Maybe some of you are in such painful situations because of your own loneliness, because of issues that others have done to you, or because of how you've cried out to God and it seems like He's not listening. You've prayed and prayed and prayed and things have not got a bit better. They've actually gotten a little bit worse. Can anybody say, Pastor, I'm feeling that right now? Understand that sometimes what you're going through, sometimes is because God knows he can trust you to be a carrier of a story that's going to bring him glory at the end of the book. I used to cry out, God, why did you let my son die? And now I cry out, God, why did you pick me to be the carrier of this boy for 18 years? Now, you're not going to get there overnight. It's taken me 15 years to be able to say that. You're not going to get there overnight. But sometimes God is telling a story for his own glory, and for some reason, he will choose you to be the carrier of that story, even though, boy, is it painful. I don't know why we don't get the miracles sometimes. I don't know why the answers we long for and stand for and pray for and praise for and expect I don't know why they sometimes don't come. I do know that sometimes God has picked you because he can trust you to be a carrier of the story of his glory so that until that revelation comes, you've got to trust him to be at work. He hasn't forgotten you. The Lord... Now, some people will say, well, that's just what they thought, that God had closed her wound. Well, all I can go by is what the Word of God says. Now, watch. Understand that in that culture, the shame of barrenness was unbelievable. It was looked on as a curse. And notice 
that she and other people saw her as cursed. This has happened to you because of something you did. That is what she thought. That is what the others tried to put on her. Can I tell you something? You better be careful about believing every lie that the devil tries to tell you that all of your brokenness is somehow because you just brought it on or you were allowing it. It's not always true. And a lot of God's people live in self-condemnation because they're really not seeing the heart of their father. And I understand this, that this personal shame, this barrenness that she experienced, that although others and even Hannah saw it originally as a curse, God saw it as a beautiful opportunity through a beautiful, willing daughter to carry this out, to trust him. Understand here, uh, as you look uh, in this passage in verse 6 and 7, look then in verse 7 that uh, the other wife made it her point to provoke Hannah and make sure she never forgot her issue. Therefore, the word says that Hannah did not eat and she wept. She was in a sad, sad state. Notice where a lot of this condemnation happened. On their way to church, on their way to sacrifice and praise. Do you know that sometimes the evil one will use those who ought to be encouraging you and blessing you to make you feel like that you just can't measure up. If it didn't happen for you the way it happened for them, something got to be wrong with you. You better watch that. That's condemnation. Well, if you would have just been listening to God, you wouldn't be in this kind of state. You better watch that and don't receive it for one minute. I said, no, not for one minute. So she was reminded constantly by the self-righteous that, of what she didn't have. I want you to notice something, and I found this to be funny, but not too much because I saw my own self in it, and I got to get a little correction. If you want to sit under a pastor that don't ever get any correction, that gets everything right, you need to go somewhere else. Because I get corrected every day. And that's a good thing. If you don't get correction, you're on your way to self-destruction. Amen. Well, I want you to look down here in verse 8. Then Elkanah, this is a suffering wife he's got. Hannah is in a place of deep pain. Notice how her husband acted, verse 8. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why are you so emotional? Why can't I get you to eat? Why is your heart, why are you so laden down? Why are you grieved? And notice what he said. Am I not better to you than ten sons? I'm better to you than ten sons could be. 
Why, why are you in this state? In other words, I wish you would get out of this. Notice, let me just point something out to you. Here's the tendency of us husbands sometimes when our wife is in a very difficult place. Our tendency sometimes is to remind her of how good we've been to her, what we've done for her, how it's not so hard after all to live with us. She doesn't have it so bad. Boy, that really blessed Hannah, didn't it? That's what he was doing. He was saying, I've been better to you than ten sons. Get your eyes off what you don't have and recognize what I've given you. Uh-oh. How do you think that went over? About as good as it's done for me in the past. Can you everybody say amen? So he arose after he had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. They did. This is Hannah included, his whole family. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. Understand that in those days the spiritual leader primarily um, the, the priest, in this case Eli, his name, would sit out there before you entered the tabernacle, and if you wanted intercessory prayer, if you wanted the priest to speak a blessing over you, then you came to your spiritual leadership before you went in and made the sacrifices and did the things that were required of the worship. So notice that even though she was in this deep state of pain, she and her family went on to the tabernacle and they consulted with their spiritual leadership. And notice Eli and Hannah evidently had some private moments. Notice verse 10. She was in bitterness of her soul. She wasn't bitter toward her rival. She wasn't bitter toward God. It was internally she was torn up about why she couldn't get an answer to her prayer. And she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. You ever done that? You ever been in such a soul state that you couldn't even hardly get words out? You were in such a state of anguish over what it was that was really hurting you? Well, that was what happened to her. Look, look, look at this. Verse 11, Then she made a vow, and she said, O Lord of hosts, you who fight for me, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, your daughter, and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, your daughter, but will give your daughter, your male servant, a male, a, a maidservant, a male child, then if you'll do that for me, I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. What does that mean? That meant that Hannah was saying, if you will just hear my cry, I won't hold on to that for which I have cried out. That which my heart desperately wants, I will give him totally over to you. He will be yours, and a razor shall not touch his head. That was called a Nazarite vow. 
A Nazarite was a special kind of priest who stayed in the temple and tabernacle and prayed and interceded, and that's all that he did. And until his time of vow was over, he, he vowed not to cut his hair until God released him from that assignment. It's called a Nazarite. So Hannah was making a desperate vow to the Lord and said, look, if you will honor me, I'll give him to you. So verse 12, it happened as she continued praying. Oh, she, she was in anguish that Eli watched her mouth. She was sitting there in proximity of Eli the priest. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. So Eli, being the perceptive priest he was, thought she was intoxicated. And he accused her of it. Notice verse 14, Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrow, sorrowful spirit. I have not drunk wine nor intoxicating strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. I have prayed myself speechless. You ever done that? You ever prayed yourself speechless? She didn't have any more words left. She explained to, her, to Eli her condition. And she said, don't consider me, verse 16, a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Now watch this. Then Eli answered and said, oh man, this is powerful. You better sit under spiritual leadership that want the best for you and will love you and bless you and not condemn you. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace, watch this, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, let your daughter, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. And so she went her way, ended her fast, started eating, and her face was no longer sad. You know what that means? After this experience with her spiritual leadership and this prayer and this blessing, God used her spiritual leadership as an agent to pronounce blessing over her. And guess what? That anguish of spirit lifted off of her. She was released. Wow. You ever had that happen to you? Maybe you were in deep prayer to your high priest, the Lord Jesus. Maybe you had gone and been able to talk to spiritual leadership. And maybe through what was said or done when you left, you didn't, you didn't leave with the burden you came in with. Hallelujah. Then they rose early in the morning, look at verse 19, and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, that is the, the Hebrew term 
for sexual intimacy between a husband and wife. And the Lord remembered her. And it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. The Lord has, Samuel means heard by God. Wow. So I understand here now that Hannah had become ferocious in her pursuit of the Lord. You ever seen a ferocious spiritual woman? You ever seen a woman who is unwilling to let go of what she desperately desires for God to do in the life of her, uh, of not only herself, but her loved ones? The most ferocious people God ever created are mothers. They are relentless. They are ferocious. You better not get in their way now when it comes to believing and standing and desiring their children. That's a good thing. Thank you, Lord, for that gift. She was ferocious in her pursuit and her unwillingness to let go of what she believed God wanted to do. But I want you to notice here <laughs> that this release came and there was great, great release there and, and worship and praise was the result of that release. But she went about the daily chores. Do you understand? Are you listening to me? Samuel didn't just fall out of the sky one day and they looked one day and there he was in a bed. They, they had to go about the daily process of life and what brings life. Surely you're smart enough to pick that up without me going into detail. The, the, you you got to move on. You got to take the next right step. You just can't wait for God to lay the miracle right there. You've got to take the next right step. It's part of the story God is telling. The next right step. I mean, if you're waiting on for him to fix everything before you move, you're probably going to be stuck. So she went about the next right step as a wife and, boy, stayed in a place of praise and obedience and God honored her with this mighty miracle. But I want you to see something. Once Samuel was born, she never forgot her vow to the Lord. Never forgot. Look at verse 27, chapter 1. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore, I have also, King James says, lent him. The word there is release, commit. Therefore, I have released him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be released to the Lord. I take my hands, my rights, even as mama, even as his nurturer, even as the one who brought him through and brought him into childhood, I take my rights to control his life. It is God's alone. Have you done that, mother? 
Have you brought your children before the Lord? And have you recognized that they were not created and redeemed like you? They were not born in your image and likeness. They belong to God. Have you done it? That's what a godly woman does. God didn't put me in your life to control and manipulate you or to try to get my way or to make me proud of you. God gave me this opportunity, this assignment to be the agent through which you come into this world and I recognize you are his. Have you come to that point, women, mothers? Have you really come to that point? Or are you still trying to make that child be the way you want them to be? Choose the way you want them to choose. Look the way you want them to look. You've got to let go of that. That's hard preaching, Pat. It's the truth. And you know, Elkanah was, he, he was growing. How many of you know about us husbands? We, we, we're just growing. We don't know everything. But I want you to see something here in verse 23. <clears throat> After Samuel was born, Hannah said to her husband, I'm not going to go up this year, and I'm not going to go where everybody else is going. I'm not going to go up, see Eli. I'm not going to go up with all the other families of Israel. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay here until the child is weaned. Why? Because then I am going to take him and surrender him for the rest of his life to serve the Lord. In that tabernacle, under the direction of Eli, But notice what Elkanah said, verse 23. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Go ahead and wait until you have weaned him. Only, here's the only thing I'm asking, he's saying. Let the Lord establish his word. So Hannah stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. And notice after she had weaned him, she brought him to the house of the Lord with sacrifice, presented him to the priest, and left him in the care of the priest. And there, there, there were, there, she didn't just abandon a child. There were plenty of servants to help take care of him. And Eli began to teach him about how to be a priest of God. In fact, God even gave him another office, and that was he became a mighty prophet. You remember, um, do you remember who anointed David as king over Israel? It was Samuel. All this time, God was planning when she was barren, and he was planting when she conceived this mighty, mighty servant of God, and nobody saw it but her, even in her pain. But I want you to notice something about her husband. Husbands, listen to me. You got a woman that loves the Lord and seeks the Lord. Maybe the next time she comes to you and says she believes she has heard something from the Lord, maybe you ought to say, well, I believe that you have heard from the Lord. Let's take the next right step toward that. And here's the only caveat, same one Elkanah gave Hannah. Here's the only caveat. 
let's just make sure that this is the word from the Lord. Let's give him a chance to prove it and test it. I mean, you know, if God's really said something, it'll stand the test of light. It'll stand the test of light. So he was learning to respect his wife's ability to hear and to honor what she believed God was saying and to go along with her with this caveat. Let's just make sure that God, this is the direction of the Lord. And if it's not, he'll show us. Do you all have enough confidence in the Lord that when you step out to do something you believe he has told you to do? Do you have enough confidence in God that you have believed and asked him to stop it if it's not his highest and best or affirm it if it is? And are you willing to listen to what he tells you instead of trying to push through something that he's trying to stop or not do something that he's affirmed? Either way, we're out of line. Now they're coming together, and they have, uh, can you imagine what a big deal this was to Elkanah? Do you understand, especially in those days, what a big deal it was for a man to take his family once a year and to see all the, fr- all the cousins and all the relatives and all the friends and say, and here is my new boy, Samuel. You understand what a big deal that would have been to a man? So when she said, I don't want to take him up there, he had to swallow what he thought others would think about that and say, whatever the Lord says, that's what we're going to do. That was a big deal. What are you trying to say? Husbands, listen to what your wife says she believes she has heard from God and give the Lord a chance to either affirm it or let you know that maybe you didn't hear just right. And that happens to all of us. So she released him to the Lord. And you know the rest of the story. He became an incredible, mighty, mighty servant of the Lord. Do you know that whatever pain you have today and whatever you just don't believe God is even listening to you, if you won't quit, if you will continue to believe him and trust him when you don't understand him, if you will continue to pour out your heart to the Lord as to what it is that you believe that he desires to do, if you will stand it, and if you will align yourself with the right spiritual leadership who will get in line with what God's doing, that's a big deal. I believe you're going to be on your way to seeing God do something mighty and amazing. Mighty and amazing. So as the Lord speaking to you today, this is not just for women, God's daughters. But understand that we have an opportunity to learn from this incredible daughter of the Lord. I want you to bow your heads with me. Pastor, I, I just believe that the Lord has truly been speaking to me. I, I've been in pain. I've been in bewilderment. I've been in anguish. I, 
I've cried out for so long for certain things and I've just not really seen. I just don't understand. Can I ask you something? Would you take all the energy that is pent up in not understanding and would you be willing to invest that same energy in trusting He who is the Lord of your life in His plan, in His oversight, in His ability to bring about the results that He so desires? Would you shift your focus away from God, why? Why did this happen? To Lord, why did you choose me? Why did you pick me that I would believe and trust you in this? Are you willing to say, Lord, I don't understand, nor, nor do I even like it. But in my suffering, I say to you as Hannah did, I trust you. I ask that you would use me as an agent for that which you're trying to do, what you want to do, what you will do. I'm willing. So, Lord, whatever my situation may be, help me to remember that you may be wishing to birth a Samuel. Oh, uh, maybe not in the flesh, but in the spirit. A mighty, ferocious blessing of God. So are you willing to just take a step of saying, God, I trust you, though I don't understand. I'm just a little weary. I need some encouragement. And would you be willing to say, Lord, I'm going to ferociously hold on to the pursuit of you and ask you to do whatever you choose to do in and through me. I'm your servant and glad and proud to be so. And will you make sure that you continue to connect with spiritual leadership that is of the right mind? That you won't get beat up or put out, but somebody will really love and pray and, and bless you and minister. And when God brings about the answer to your prayer, will you fulfill the vow you made him? Will you remember that that person, that situation, whatever it is, it's his? Would you take your hands off of it and recognize that he's doing something mighty and holy that you couldn't do? On this Mother's Day, 2019, Make it be a day to where God and you partner to birth a Samuel of God, whatever that may look like. you oh Lord I would give you praise and I especially today as your servant Lord I bless your daughters you created them you redeemed them you 
call them the special daughters of the king. Heal them in their broken places, Lord. I ask you for greater revelation of your love, Lord, that heals them where they're hurting. I ask you for the grace for them to forgive those who've hurt them in the past. I've asked you, uh, God, for the mercy that will enable them and attract them to humble themselves as your daughters, your servant, your maid servants. And Father, where they, whether they have a husband and children or whether they are childless or single or widowed or divorced, I'm asking you, God, on this day to touch your daughters whom you love in a special way. To begin to heal and mend those broken hearts, those shattered dreams. Affirm them, Lord, as your, your girls. Enable them to know, God, it's not what anybody else says or thinks. It's not about any of that. It's about their relationship with you and you only. And for those of us, God, who are married to your daughters, for those of us who are spiritual leaders to your daughters, give us a new revelation of how precious they are to you. May we walk with them in strength and honor and authority that is blessed of you. Under your love, we ask this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, now next week we consider, we continue our series on relationships and as the Lord would lead me, I'm going to talk to you about, should you consider your grown children a covenant relationship or a committed relationship? What's the difference? how should that look? How do you advocate and bless your adult children without enabling them to stay broken? That's a big deal, isn't it? So I hope you'll be with me next Sunday. Go with God. He's going with you. Have a wonderful Mother's Day. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.